Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret. I've been doing Journey into an Unknown World now for well over a year and a half. And it seems that it's very popular because people all over the world are listening. So I want to say thank you for supporting me in my ways of teaching people how to improve their life, the quality of things they do, the emotional stabilities that they need to find. So thank you. Today, I'd like to talk about obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. You may know someone who has this problem, but don't realize that they are suffering. Some of the people who are obsessive compulsive really do work at trying to hide it from their friends, family members, etc. And of course that's a shame because if they're hiding themselves away then nobody knows that they need help. So the first thing I want to ask everyone to do is to really take a second look at all the people you know who seem to be a little bit withdrawn or seem to cover up a lot, don't say too much, kind of watch them, see what kind of things they do. I first became aware of obsessive compulsive disorder when I was a young girl in my high school. There weren't many uh, people around at that time who had any idea that there was some suffering going on in children in those days. For me, I learned about the state of mind from one of my school friends. She was very quiet, she was very withdrawn, she seemed to be quite bright at math and English, but whenever we were in the playground, kind of socializing the way kids do, she would just hang back and hold on to a particular pole. And if any of the girls spoke to her, she would kind of reach out, still holding onto the pole, and not move. Of course, kids would run off and play and do stuff. We were all around 11 years old, and nobody thought too much about it. But after one year, I started to notice that that pole meant a lot to her. And I started to notice that she not only touched the pole, but she also was touching a variety of other things in the school playground. And whenever she was touching those things, she seemed to feel safer, a little bit more content. Now, of course, in those days I was using my psychic skills and uh, wasn't really paying too much attention to the state of mind. So what I could see was that when she held onto that pole, her aura was actually more vibrant, but when she had a walk between two spaces from one thing to another, there was this red flare going on in her aura because she was rushing, she was trying to get to the next security space. So that was an eye-opener. Later in my life, I went to work at a mental institute where I saw all kinds of people who had all sorts of disturbances. And of course, in those days, everyone was labeled schizophrenic or paranoid and so on. Nobody really understood what people were thinking. And of course, the brain had not been studied at all. 
So everyone was having a guessing game as to what was going on in the minds of people. So I thought what I'd like to do is to share with you some of my insights that I have acquired over the years in my work. If you'd like to talk to me about this, if you have a child or someone you know who is obsessive compulsive, by all means write to me, Dr. Margaret, RVC at gmail.com, and I will respond to you. I can help you with someone who needs help. So let me go back to what I've learned. The first thing I began to understand is that during the age of three through six or seven years old, a child is still in a hyper state of consciousness, learning very quickly, but also very aware of their emotional responses to absolutely everything that's going on around them. And during that time, if the child does not understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling and are not able to be supported by someone in the immediate vicinity at the time of this awareness, then the child will self-talk their mind, their emotions in a hypnotic state to be afraid. And of course, when you start to realize that you're afraid of something, the next thing you want to do is to get rid of that fear. So finding some physical anchor, a safe mode, becomes important. So what are we actually looking at? We're looking at a child's constant need to self-hypnotize self in the beliefs that they have about the emotional senses they have relative to their environment. So it's a lot to think about there, isn't it? Okay, so first of all, if you have a child that is suffering this way, stop and think. How were they somewhere between that three to five-year-old part of their growth? What were they doing? What was going on in your life? What was going on in their life? How are they perceiving themselves, etc.? Because between three and five, that's when we start to build our self-esteem. And if we don't have the core energy of believing that what we do is going to bring us to something better, then we move into a negative state where we start to tell ourselves that whatever we're going to do, it's going to be hard, it's going to be fearful in that there's lots of things out there that we have to deal with. So by the time the child is five, they've already made up their minds that this world is a horrid place and that there's lots of negative things they're going to have to face. And so from then on, five until around eight, they're busy telling themselves over and over again that everything out there is a threat. So they start to develop security needs. Now, different children, of course, they all have different minds from one another. And what they actually want to do is find the things that they are familiar with that stay the same. So, for example, a really worried child will go around their bedroom touching one or two things in the early days saying that makes me feel safe it's always there 
But after a while, those one or two things don't seem to work so well. So they start to touch something else in the room. And over a period of time, their obsessive nature makes them touch practically everything that's in the room. And so as long as they're in that room, they can touch anything, they feel safe. But now ask them to come out of the room and come on into the rest of the house. Now they've got to have stepping stones. They've got to have somewhere to anchor themselves as they're thinking fearful thoughts. So certain objects that never seem to move in the house become a safe post, just like the girl in school that I used to know years ago. Now, once you get out of the house, you're now making a trail. So everything outside of the house has to have some identity that measures up to their requirement to feel safe. Now, whether it's a bush, a tree, cracks in the sidewalk, or the sound of a car, one of those things may be an anchor, while many of the other things may be a fear mode that makes them even more obsessive. Now, while all that's going on, they're constantly telling themselves, I'm afraid, touch something. I feel better, but it didn't work very long, so I better touch something else. And so over a period of time, the constant realization of fear versus the constant mental attitude of finding an anchor to feel safe is in an open battle within the child's awareness. So by the time they go into their teenage years, they're now extremely obsessive. Now there are different types of obsession because not everyone is just afraid. Some of the children are born very psychic and when they interact with mom, dad or whoever's in their family in the early years, they are sensing the energy of the aura and reflecting that back into their own aura and that way we integrate with people and we get to know them and we feel safe. But what if the parents are worried? What if they haven't got a job? What if there are other children in the family who seem to be more dominant and more aggressive? Well, at that point, the child feels the energy of the auras of the family members and the disturbance within the home. And so on that level, the child begins to feel very insecure. So it becomes very important to them then to go out and find someone else or something that could make them feel safe. But the problem is, once they step outside of the house, there's more stuff going on that isn't so stable or secure. Unfortunately, one of the laws is like attracts like in the mirror image. So quite often, we may come from a negative background, get out into the world looking for a good one, and find more negativity. And unfortunately, again, children don't know how to differentiate between the good and the bad. They look for someone who's similar, someone who's in the mirror image, and they try to bond. But what if these children are not sensitive to the psychic skills? What if they're not aware of the auric emanations? Now it becomes a contest to see who is more aware than another? And of course, the psychic child will always lose out because they're easily bullied. 
they're easily pushed emotionally into feeling afraid and over time that gets worse in the mind of the child till they cannot socialize and of course socializing is a very very important part of growing up of becoming a mature adult again I'd like to say if you think that you have a child that is really obsessive in many different ways because remember I'm only talking about one aspect today then I have on my website a recording I made one for boys and one for girls it's all on one CD where you can play it to your child and you will be amazed how different it makes them become it's called you and can do I've created in a way that it's fairy like they can listen it will take them back to these early three to five year old self and from there refocus on the fact that the child is safe the fact that the child can go out and do whatever they want to do because can do is a fairy who makes it possible for them to do anything and as I said there's one for girls and one for boys so if you have a child that seems to be developing a lot of fear this is one of the best things I can recommend. It was channeled at a time when I needed to do it for some children that really needed it and now we are 15 years later and they are amazingly beyond the levels that anyone ever thought they would be. Their schoolwork has improved and you know the added bonus? Their parents improved because they had to listen and monitor what their children were doing. The backward children became forward in many different ways and the normal everyday kind of study work that children do, they went from C to A grades. So we know by studying research over time it works and I've made it available on my website www.sumariscenter.com That's S-U-M for mother, A-R-I-S for sugar again, C-E-N-T-R.com so if you'd like a copy, please go there and we'll send you either a download or the actual CD, depending on what you would like. Okay, let me come back to this scenario of obsessive compulsive. So we're back with children in school. And of course, unfortunately, there is a social structure in every school where kids fall into a category. They're either the smart outgoing extrovert kids who seem to be able to get A's no matter how much they mess up. Then we have the middle stream where the children kind of can integrate between that and the lower group and they kind of actually get along quite well with both groups but somehow because of that they don't quite know where they fit in. Then we have what we might call the backward group, the kids that don't try, they're used to getting a D and a C uh, they don't really want to be anything more than that because if they do, they have to start standing up themselves, easier to quit, as it were. And then, of course, underneath that, we have the children that are born with some kind of deformity in some way, emotionally, mentally, physically. It doesn't mean they're backward. It just means they have to deal with another issue. And uh, Whatever their situation is and whichever group they're in, you're going to find obsessive-compulsive students in this group because in some way they're compensating 
for some part of themselves that they believe is abnormal and that abnormality belief comes from basic fear. I know everyone wants to make sure their children are safe but the problem is that we can't be watching them morning, noon and night wherever they are, whatever they're doing. So we have to trust our child that they know where they're going and what they're doing. But unfortunately, there's so many things going on in this world, especially with technology now and computers, that as parents, we cannot really monitor everything they're doing. It is interesting that some of the mums and dads around their late 30s and 40s are now saying to their children, no TV, no computer, no phone, other than a certain hour and a certain time and so on. And these rules are very important. When I was a child, we didn't have any TVs. We didn't have phones to carry around with us. We didn't have computers. So what did we do? We went out to play. And while we were playing, we integrated. We socialized. We learned to know who was the boss, who was second boss, who was third boss, and so on. It didn't last for very long because usually there was some kind of up and down uproar between kids the way they do. And we would have a new order. But that new order was all about finding yourself, finding your skills, finding your talents. Also, schools included lots of extracurriculums that were free. Today, anything after school, you have to pay for it, even sports. And unfortunately, that's the world the way it is. So as a mother or a father, you can obviously encourage your young child to be out there doing their sports, art classes, music, or whatever it is. And by the way, anything in the arts or sports is an amazing opportunity for a child to learn to integrate their personality and share their um, feelings and thoughts with other students. So I always encourage parents to try and find someone who can open a door for their kid to be able to get in touch with their creative self. But if you're one of these parents that works very long hours, comes home, you're tired, cooks dinner, goes to sleep, your child is not getting an opportunity to go anywhere or do anything, there's no stimulation from the parents, then your child is likely to develop some kind of obsession about themselves and their lack of ability to integrate. So parental interaction is very important. Even if it's only 10 minutes, it's got to be quality time that your child can be shown 100% attention and during that time given them confidence in saying things like, you're doing well, I'm proud of you, you're a wonderful child, etc. Now, okay, if a child is playing up and not doing homework, you don't have to yell and scream at them from across the room. Here's a little trick we learned years ago, which I actually use with my children. I would go right up to them. I would make them sit down gently. I would get down on my knees to their eye level. I would have my face about 18 inch away from them. I would look into their eyes and I would say very diligently and clearly, okay, you've been a naughty boy. I love you, but you cannot do that again. 
You can see your child immediately bring in a deep breath because you're in their space. You can also see their eyes open wide, which is a moment of hypnosis. And in that moment, you can say, from now on, you're going to enjoy doing your homework and I'll help you. Okay, and you must help them, of course, you must follow up. If you help them 21 times, by the time you've done that, their brain has said, I can do it on my own, you won't need to help them anymore. And of course, as they grow up and they go into school classes, they're learning more stuff, you might be left behind. But at least you've given them a start. A lot of the children that I've dealt with over the years with obsessive compulsive disorder have also had religion shoved down their throat. Now, I'm not uh, uh, making a decision here about any religions. It doesn't matter what the religion is. If a child is forced to do something in the nature of that where there is someone saying evil, good, bad, etc., those kind of words, during these early three to eight-year-old years, they're going to be very, very scared that God is looking down, judging them, and is going to give them fail, fail, fail all the time. They're also going to feel like they must go out and save every last soul on the planet, which of course is important, but it, it can't be done by one child. <laughs> so we have to understand that whatever we push onto a child, however much we think it might be good for them, in their little minds, it may be harming them. It may be disturbing them. Now let me move into the adult, or I should say the late teenager who has obsessive compulsive disorder. By now they may be crafty, they've put on a smiley face, and maybe they've got some special thing in their pocket that they can fiddle with constantly, which reassures them they're okay. Or maybe they just say, I'm fine, you know, I, I can do this, but I don't want to go in this room in the house, or I don't want to go and ride in a certain car, or I don't want to sit with mum when she's driving, I'll sooner be with my brother or something in some way. These are ideas where the child through teenage years has told themselves that I am sensing something psychically. Now, whether that's psychometry, the sense of feeling, energy coming at them through their aura, or it's clairvoyance, images that are coming in their mind while they're talking to someone that are confusing, or clear audience where they're hearing sentences that, again, feel like judgment or don't feel like they make sense to them in their own voice, inside their head, or hearing other people's voices in their head, and I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute, or if they're having associations with smell and taste such as food, smoking, and alcohol. So what we're looking at is influences that have affected a child through their psyche, their psychic skills, when they were very young. Some of you may know that I wrote a book, Discover Your Baby's Spirit, which is all about the kids and how psychic they are today and the five types of kids that are on the planet. Those are hero, star, indigo, crystal, and liquid crystal children. These, these kids are so psychic that it, it's kind of scary. They'll look at you and they'll say something like, don't be upset, and mum's got a smiley face and they're only three years old. 
How did they know? They're feeding you, they're using psychometry, your energy is disturbed, it affects their energy and their aura, they feel disturbed. So what happens? Mum gets angry, baby puts on a screaming fit. Okay, Mum thinks, I can't deal with baby screaming. She puts baby in cot, uh, somewhere in bedroom, whatever. Baby is now isolated, feels rejected, and starts to develop this idea in their mind, in this emotional fit, that they are not loved and are insecure. Even though mum may come back half an hour later and hug them to pieces, they've already made up this suggestion in their mind that they're not worthy to receive anything. If they're dealing with clairvoyance, while you're talking that everything's wonderful in the world, you're also running a subtext in your mind that shows a bill in your brain or you've got to fix the dog or something else. And your child being psychic will pick up those images and then feel that they are displaced in importance by the images that you're showing them. So suddenly they're not so important anymore and again insecurity set in and they self-talk, self-hypnotize self in that emotional minute. They could also be off their food, which is clairsentient smell and taste. If you notice that, you've got to ask yourself, what have they told themselves about certain foods? For example, years and years ago, my mother was cooking bacon. I love the taste of bacon. But whenever I eat it, and even now as an adult, if I smell bacon, I have to stop and say, I don't want to go into an argument. Because something in me listened to my mum and dad arguing all those years ago when I had the smell of bacon up my nose. So adults don't realize how these young babies are taking in information, looking, listening, smelling, tasting, and feeling what's going on around them, getting insecure, and then self-talking in that hypnoidal state to tell themselves that they're afraid and then to start developing the obsessive-compulsive behavior. Hearing voices. So many psychic kids will tell you they hear voices in their head. It could be the rerunning of some movie they've watched on TV, could be sentences of things, could be real spirit guides, could be what we call earthbounds. Grandma who didn't pass on into spirit world because she's still worried about grandpa. These kids can hear, see and sense that. And if they don't have any understanding of what has happened in grandma's life or someone else, they are frightened by the sense of feeling a spirit around them. And if parents don't understand about psychic skills, the kid is then categorized as being insane. Let's put them on drugs and let's categorize them as schizophrenic and all these things start happening. So I really advise parents to stop and first ask yourself, how psychic is my kid? Again, if you feel you need advice and help, Maybe you even need a reading. You can go to my website, www.sumariscenter.com and contact me through that uh, and ask me questions. Or you can write to me directly, drmargaretrvc at gmail.com. I will answer you, by the way. Nothing slips by me. Now, coming back to awareness of all these obsessive compulsive, let's make a giant leap now. Years have gone by, 
the child has passed through teenage years, maybe they're having a hard time with their sexual prowess and, and can't quite formulate who they are and what they want to do. They could be feeling they're very gay or straight. That's not a part of it. What it is, is how they're in that relationship. I know a particular adult who was really obsessive about where the furniture was in, in the new house. Everything had to be in a certain order, in a certain way, and if something was not symmetrical, that would bother him. If something was not balanced high and low, left and right, that bothered him in terms of the way people arrange things in the room. So. A fireplace could be a little bit off, a car could be parked a little bit off in the garage, he will worry about it. So what is that? That's saying I want to be in control, I want to be in control of my life, I want to be in control of the people around me. Now of course, if you're married to an obsessive compulsive person, they'll say something like, uh, I really want you to have your way and do what you want to do and you start to do what you want to do and suddenly it's like why are you this and why are you that and I have to have it this way and I have to have it that way and before you know where you are you're part of the furniture you're part of how things are supposed to be and if you act out of that character that they've demised for you uh, fantasized whatever it is in their mind then you're now putting them in a fear mode and of course we all have personalities and characters and we all try to do things in our own way so if we have someone trying to control us it becomes an argument it stimulates even more fear in the obsessive compulsive person and the next thing you know you have a, a marriage problem and it can be the same with bringing up children if you have an obsessive child and you're a caring parent and you push and push to get some kind of response, the more you try, the more they're either going to throw a fit and walk out in a rage and take whatever it is that they think is their security anchor with them, or they shut themselves in their room and refuse to chat about it. So if you're in this kind of situation where it's later in your child's life, they're a late teenager or they're adult, you're not getting anywhere, you definitely need to bring in a third party. Someone who can be an arbitrator, who can stop you both arguing, someone who can listen very well, someone who knows how to watch for all the symptoms of obsessive compulsive and help them and you understand what's going on. Now this is a big subject and I've been talking for only half an hour and I've barely scratched the surface. So again, if you think you need some help, you can contact me. I even make personal hypnosis recordings for those who ask me. So if you're obsessive compulsive yourself and you would like some help, don't step back come forward, contact me, drmargaretrvc at gmail.com. So once again, I want to thank everybody for listening to me. I would very much appreciate it if you would spread the word about this show, Journey into an Unknown World on Web Talk Radio, and help people know that they can go to iTunes and download all the shows for free. So until next time, Please stay well and happy. And remember, if you need help, ask. Bye.